Thanks for listening to Rejected, a funny and cathartic celebration of the struggles of working and non-working actors everywhere. Hey. You know what? That's really humiliating. That's not a terrible way. <laughs> Once I dress up like a milk carton to hand out, because like in London they've got oyster cards, which is like uh-huh. the train card, and I had to get up at 4 a.m. and go to the very end of the line, of the Jubilee line. And I was dressed up like a milk carton, and I bumped into someone I knew, and I was just like, "Would you like?" One? Oh my god! I it's ran into so somebody. Oh my god! I ran into somebody from Minnesota. Stop! That oh, he hired me in my first theater gig, so. and now he works for the NFL. I guess. Mm-hmm. So do you? Weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, stop! I have my sunglasses on. I'm like hiding oh, in plain sight, and so I hear L. <laughs> No, oh. she's not here. <laughs> I was like, you think you're confusing me? No. Well. <laughs> I know you speak English. <laughs> I did see Guy Fieri. Ooh. Which was kind of weird. That's my favorite. It's a little like seeing Mickey Mouse or something. It's rejected. <laughs> this is the Rejected Podcast. I'm Eleonora Dendy. I have two guests today. I guess we'll just start. Since hey. Hi. Uh, will you guys. <laughs> will you introduce yourselves? Hi. <laughs> hey. What's up? I'm Liz Rogers. Uh, what else do I say about myself to introduce myself? Maybe about what you were doing in the film industry. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been working in film. I mean, I graduated from NYU in 2012, and then I nannied for three and a half years. <laughs> Getting that cash under the table. Pretty sweet. So. Indirecting, right? Yes. Is that what you majored in? Yeah. Yes, that's what I majored in. I was like, yes, I was still directing while I was nannying, sort of. I mean, I was trying. Directing kids. <laughs> yeah, I studied at um, Playwrights Horizons Theater School. Mm-hmm. So it's interdisciplinary, so you study basically everything. But I focused in directing and quickly learned that there can be <laughs> actors who are directors, but there are not directors who are actors. <laughs> Um, at least that's the way it felt to me in New York. So after I nannied for a while, I just randomly got an opportunity to work on, um, Gotham, that TV show, that WB TV show that just ended. Yeah. So I did that for two seasons. I worked for the set decorator. So I got into this weird, like, just like, I was not qualified, even a little bit. I have no idea. I think I just like wore my best dress that I had. I had like one dress. And I wore it to the interview. And you just have to be a, listen and be a quick learner. It's like, they talk about making TV shows like it's brain surgery, but it's just not. It just isn't. So I fell into the set deck world. And so... Set deck, so decoration, it's just too much to say. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that for a while in New York. I worked on that J-Lo TV show. Yeah. <laughs> Shades of Blue. Never saw her, but heard some crazy stories. And yeah, I recently moved back to Atlanta we're talking about like failures <laughs> it's not a failure it's not but it's something, a new it's, step it's an internal struggle i had for oh, i mean i almost moved back to atlanta three times before i actually made the move one time i shipped all of my winter boxes home like seriously 10 boxes of stuff i shipped home and then i got the job on gotham <laughs> oh, and, I just, and i decided to stay so 
I failed at moving several times, but then I finally did it. So, I, I mean, the biggest reason I came, I'm not the biggest family. Family's <laughs> 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 the biggest reason, but another big reason I came is because the film industry was exploding here. Right. And climbing the ladder there felt really slow and, like, I was just ready to be close to family. But so I came down here without really any contacts and recently just finished my first film job. Nice. Um, found the job on Facebook. What? Believe it or not. Like, yes. all the people I reached out to and all the contacts of, like, I had done. And I just, like, stalked the, like, art department page on Facebook. Nice. And somebody needed a fill-in for a week. So I went and did that for a week. And then, like... A week later, I got an email that the girl had quit. Oh, my God. <laughs> so they asked if I wanted to come finish the season. I was like, sure. So Yes, please. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, yes. I don't know anyone else. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I'll think about it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Was it a TV show? Yeah, it was. Oh, um, Black Lightning. Okay. Oh, okay, sweet. Yeah. Well, that's what's so crazy about Atlanta is like, there is constant work when you find it. I just feel like at the moment, this is my big dilemma about Atlanta. Hi, I'm Lauren. <laughs> I got a lot of opinions. <laughs> I'm Lauren O'Brien. My issue with Atlanta at the moment, I think it's great and it's got so many awesome opportunities, but I think what's happening is a lot of people are hiring outside of Atlanta and bringing people in, which is... That's so true. Yeah. My, all of the department heads in the art department, the decorator, the designer, a lot of their, like, draftsmen, they were L.A. Yeah. hires. Yeah, which is, like, fair because it's so saturated there. So it's like, well, let's do this. Well, we've got a pretty bad rep. Yeah. Actually, they call us um, Georgia Jumpers because people get on jobs and then they quit like the girl I replaced mm -hmm. nobody follows through oh. with the end of a job though something else better will come uh -huh. and they'll just there's no sense of loyalty and so they bring in these outside hires who are obviously not going anywhere <laughs> like, <laughs> to be the like higher ups of the department so Georgia jumpers so I know I was like damn and someone sounds... else told me that there was like Reputation-wise, people just not being good. People were, like, mm -hmm. not qualified enough because they were like, oh, I don't want to move to the big city. I'm going to stay here and coast by. And then when these bigger film sets came on, this is, I don't know, this is me just talking from, like, hearsay. <laughs> this is 100% fact. Um, <laughs> but, like, I just thought it was so disappointing because, like, everyone I know, like, all three of us are from Atlanta. And, like, we all work really, really hard. And mm -hmm. we want to, like, bring it back. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I pretend. Lately, not so much. <laughs> we work hard at things. When we want to. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I give myself too many breaks. But. Yeah. You know, I think about that a lot, about the taking breaks thing. And I feel like every single day I'm like, I just need to do this because of self-love. Self-love, self-love, self-love. But then I don't do anything because of self-love. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I can I really do it. Like, uh, <laughs> but no, I just, I'm going to say something. Shut up. <laughs> don't touch me. <laughs> Sorry. No, this is really important. Okay, Oprah and RuPaul both have like, were you about to say the same thing? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But they talk about, like, they have in their stories, they talk about, like, almost, like, pushing it to, like, the limit and being exhausted. And then both of them, before they became, like, extremely successful, were like, I need a freaking break. So they, like, went home, took a break, and then they, like, like refound, like, their, like, inner peace. And, like, that's when they nailed it. And they both, like, are harping on about mm. 
that being unnecessary. You know, I, I agree with that. And I had an experience like in Minnesota where I had been doing really well. And then in the course of like weeks and then days, everything fell apart. Mm. And uh, like everything, like I was living out of my car for six months and that's why I came back. Mm-hmm. And hard. I think, yeah, it sucked, mm-hmm. but it was like, I think all of that stuff had to happen to force me out because I wasn't taking the time or the break or the anything that I needed to. And then everything sort of just like blew up in my face yeah. as a result. Uh, so I had to come back here mm. and it was horrible. And like you, I didn't have any contacts. I didn't know what to do. I'm really glad that you guys are back. <laughs> <laughs> Be friends. <laughs> like built in friends. So yeah. And, and there, there are people that are starting to move here and I'm glad, but like I've just been, um, I feel like I've been kind of drifting and healing maybe being back here. But that's really, that is really important. Is I was talking to somebody and she was telling a story about a guy who decided he needed to go back to London to be with his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he thought he was going to miss out in LA. And then he goes back to London and he landed like a lead in a movie that was shooting nearby. You yeah. Know? So I don't know. You never fucking know. No. So Lauren O'Brien... Yes. Do you want to talk a little bit about yourself? Yes, I do. Okay. I interrupted you earlier, and I'm still guilty about it. Do you want to say what you're going to say? So we can edit it in. We can edit it in. <laughs> we can just put it. We can put it in. I was going to something so that made guilty. me feel a lot better because when I first moved here, like not a, like no plan really, and it just so happened that the week before we moved, before we like literally drove down here, my grandmother moved into like assisted living and her house became available. So when we first got here, we lived in her house, which was so nice to have a place to live for free. But sort of the offset of that was I had to clean it out and there was like 40 years of like, you don't even want to know. But so I was spending all my days just getting up and cleaning my grandmother's house. And it took me six days to clean out just her kitchen. Like, it was filthy. And so I just felt like, what the fuck did I do? Like, what Mm -hmm. am I even doing here? I felt like all I did was take, like, ten giant steps backwards. Like, everything I'd worked for in college and my time after college. All that, like, nannying bullshit I had to go through. And now all I've done is reverted it and let all my contacts, everyone I've ever, like, impressed know that I don't live anywhere near them and they can't hire me anymore. (laughs) So I stumbled upon this like TED talk about procrastination because I felt like I've, in terms of, I've also been uh, working on my photography business is another thing that I do. I feel like I have like lots of things, but I thought, okay, with all this time off, I'm going to really work on myself and my photography business and get my like website up and running and start a newsletter and all that shit that you do to like self-promote your own business and it had been a full like six weeks and I had not done I hadn't even looked at my camera all my memory cards were full before I could do anything I had to like backlog it was like so daunting and I was just every day I didn't do it I felt like more and more guilty Mm. and I stumbled upon this TED talk about procrastination and I wish I could remember anything about it I'm sure if you just search it it would come (laughs) up but you know it basically came down it was the the guy who was giving the talk was talking about how he always felt like procrastination was super lazy he was really efficient all this stuff and he stumbled upon a startup who 
they were they had asked him to invest and then were taking all this time to get anything started and then eventually once they got their like model down i think they were like a sunglass company it like exploded and how it was it had just been like scientifically proven that when you rush things before you're ready that sometimes procrastination <laughs> is helpful in a creative process yeah. mm -hmm. and it's important not to like push yourself at the moment that isn't quite right like you know what you're going towards it's okay to take a step back and wait for the like momentum to pick you back up and that thought has I've been trying to hold on to as I feel like my Atlanta life has just been very like slow to mm -hmm. grow like I did eventually get a job and it wasn't like my favorite thing I ever did but you know small baby steps I think that's yeah. awesome because it's, like it's so it's so important to remember because like that's something I felt all throughout London because like I graduated college as an actor a classically trained actor mm -hmm. which means fuck all sorry for swearing <laughs> but it means absolutely nothing like we rolled around and pretended to be like balloons half the time like it <laughs> means nothing <laughs> So when you graduate, you're, like, so entitled to be, like, well, I have an agent. Like, I'm going to get all these jobs. And then you graduate, and you're, like, I don't want to do this. Like, for so, like, I've never just wanted to be an actor. Like, since I was a kid, I've been, like, I want to own my own production company. I want to own But I was, like, well, I, like, like acting, and I'm good at it. And, like, I don't want to be just behind the camera. Like, I've always wanted to, like, be, like, Lucille Ball and be able to, like, do everything and be able to, like, have fun while doing it. And then, like, I graduated... And then I started, I was like, this isn't, nothing's happening, nothing's happening, I'm not in control of this. And then I started doing comedy, and things picked up, like, really fast. Side note, the person I used to test all my material out on is sitting in this room. And we would do it via Skype. Like, oh, me, you're talking about me. I was like, what is <laughs> And we yes, sit we there that. on Skype, and I remember just being like, what the fuck am I doing? And I would just read out to Liz, and she'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Which was great, because it meant, like, I hadn't developed, because I'd be like, yeah, and then blah, blah, blah. And Liz would always go like, no, no, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay. And so I had to, like, face my fears and do it. So then, like, because I guess I was, like, American in London doing comedy, there was a niche for it. So it like took off, like did really well, really fast. But then I was put in the position where like I was asked to do a bunch of stuff and I was not ready for it. And like, I was wondering why at that time I was not getting these jobs and I was not getting these things. And it's because I didn't know all the people. I didn't have all these connections. I was just kind of throwing myself out there. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know, like a fly or something. And nothing was sticking because I wasn't ready for it creatively. And like, that's not where my heart was. So it's like, oh my God, like now I was thinking about this. Like, looking back on myself, I was like, I'm not proud of anything I did because I was just trying to do it. I was just going, like, if you're out there, you're fine. Like, this is this is what it is. It'll get better. And it's like, no, you need, like, to take your time to, like, develop your craft and be smart. And, like, I realized people had – because I went straight into touring. People – so, like, the comedy circuit works is, like, you do, like, open mics for, like, a year. And then you do, like, 20 minutes. And then you do 30 – like, I went straight into an hour. And I was like, I can hold an hour <laughs> of joke after joke after joke. And the first one – I was so, in a way, I shouldn't have been as lucky as I was. But then the second hour was like, I went completely against like what everything like I felt. And I was like, this is more traditional. And it did not go as well. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what is wrong? And this was like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. So yes, I think it's really important. Procrastination is really good. Because now I feel like, I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. I, I want to like give it a new word almost. Yeah. I mm -hmm. You know, the connotation behind procrastinating. Development. 
Or, I don't know, I, I like to, I like the redefinition of procrastinating. Like, having a different, a, a fresher perspective on it. And I spent a year, I was like, when I moved back here, I was like, fuck acting, I hate <laughs> it, never doing this again. And I just, like, traveled around and stuff. And I, I, like, went and taught abroad and did all that stuff. Yeah, I went to India. What? Yeah. Cool. It was, it was awesome. It's, it's crazy how fast everything can fall apart yes that's what I'm terrified about right now so mm. wait I have my own production company yeah. podcast land Pitch which it. means <laughs> we do creative video production so our like whole like tagline is like we don't just tell stories because I feel like everyone is saying like we just tell stories we love telling stories stories doesn't matter if you tell a good story like um so our tagline is we don't just tell stories we make impressions because what bothers me about people who, like, say they tell good stories is everyone has a good anecdote, but, like, say you're on the table at a dinner table, at a dinner party, not a dinner table, whatever, you have dinner at a dinner party. So you have dinner, oh, fuck, oh, Jesus. You're, you're, you're at a dinner party, and you're at the dinner table. Yes, setting, it's all happening. <laughs> and there's some freaking a-hole over there who's telling some boring-ass story. Just because he's telling, like, a story doesn't mean that you like it. So I'm like, okay, well, how do you take that a step further with, like, video? So it's like, you don't just have to, like be technically good at telling a story like you want to make people feel like when they come away from it because we have so much garbage going on like how mm -hmm. many times like do you not remember the last thing you've seen I have no idea like I scrolled through my phone like right before we started and I have no idea what it looked at also that's very rude of me I'm so sorry that I no that. I just I was you said that and I was trying to think of what I did but we don't remember I do actually I was playing my slidey cat game but that's, that's like all I do game. it's like Tetris but with cats <laughs> <laughs> I watch those Instagram poor videos. You need the paint. Do you ever watch those? No. Oh, is that what you just? <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> what is that I was... one? Is it where they like make stuff and they like yeah, pour they're paint like in yeah, it's like paint? they're like oh look, we're modern artists. We don't really know how to paint, but we fill up this cup with paint and then we dump it and pour it around on the canvas and it's beautiful. Ooh, it's like sexy art. It's like the people do the squishy. You know when the people poke the like goo and they're mm -hmm. like ooh, and I'm like I don't know why, but I'm really enjoying this. Uh huh. That's kind of like the painting for me. Okay. Yes, but yes, I went off sidetrack with the thing. But anyway, I do too. understand what you mean. No, but it's before like, slidey cat, no before. Idea. Slighted cat, but it's like I'm shitting a fucking brick. Cause it's like, oh my god, if this doesn't work, I don't have any money. Like this is the first time in my life where I've not been like, it's my agent not getting me the job. I'm like, oh my god, I have to do sales. I have to, I did a marketing plan today. I'm like, who am I? This is terrifying, but it's also really exciting because if you don't have any like safety net, you have to make it work, which is really really exciting. I'm so excited to, like, hit the production seat in Atlanta and be able to, like, employ amazing women like you and amazing, like, people in the film industry and not in the film industry and be able to, like, say that I'm proud to be from Atlanta and not being like, oh, I'm just, I'm from here. I, I thought I failed in London and now I'm back here. <laughs> like, I live with my parents. I don't anymore, but I did recently. <laughs> yeah. So it's all good. It's boomeranging. It's what <sighs> we're all doing. Yeah. This is good. This is exciting. This is making me feel a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> it's very cathartic. Yeah. That's like it the tagline. It's like a cathartic romp or whatever. Speaking of, we're literally sitting in the room I grew up in. This is your bedroom. This was, yeah. Nice. Where are you sleeping now? I'm sleeping in my brother's old bedroom okay. because I had to have some sort of like 
life shift. I was like, <laughs> I can't sleep in the room I, I grew up in. Fair. That's funny. I'll lose my mind. So now it's like a makeshift workspace slash cat bathroom. Where is your cat? I don't know. Oh, no. They hide. He's, he's an indoor cat, and usually he's like really curious about, you know, I, I would have thought I'd hurt, we would hear him, but you guys oh. will meet him. So how many animals have you got? Three. Three. Oh. Two dogs and a cat. Did you guys want to get chickens? Was that you guys? Yeah, we're going to get chickens. Oh. We're going to get chickens. What? Why do I want to get chickens? I don't know. It's like the thing. They're, my parents want to rent a goat. We have a beehive. My dad and his girlfriend want to do oh this. They God. want to bring him inside as well. And we put should him... talk. Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely doing all of those things. No, stop. I'm not coming to your house. I mean, that was a big part of moving back here for... Because I moved down here with um, my boyfriend, Drew. And he was... I still had a foot in New York for sure. Is just ready for his own. He wanted to be a homeowner. He wanted his own space to grow his own garden. He's very like Mother Nature, mm-hmm. and <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely like the domestic one of the two of us. But it's like I mean I think that's part of the reason I feel like a failure moving here. Like I have to acknowledge that. Part of the reason I moved back was, like, if I had not met Drew, I would never have moved back. But it was, like, I found this partner who suddenly I saw, like, much, like, longer-term things with. And we started talking about, like, like... I can't even say well, it. Well, you have to say like, it. Like, married life. <gasps> you know what I mean? Oh, I know. It's, it feels like, at least in the, like culture I don't know if this is true other places like I went to New York and like found my independence and like that's where I was for the last decade and there's something about New York that has like a very like drinking the Kool-Aid mentality Mm -hmm. and if you leave you failed and New York beat you yes and like strong independent women like don't get married and when they do they don't change their name and they don't have babies (laughs) till they're 45 and like all of this stuff I seriously didn't I did not nanny for a mom who had a a baby younger than 39. What? Every single mother I worked for, which is like fine. I thought for a second I was like, the, she had a baby and it was 39. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have yes, some the water York. there is. Holy they, you, you're born grown. Yeah. So, you know, part of moving back here was this like domestic move where we decided like we wanted to like start growing our own food and talk about like having a family and potentially getting married and like being closer to family and all of these things that like as a young independent like millennial female you're told to that you know you don't have to have these things you can be the, your career you can do better than that and like acknowledging that that's something I want yeah sort of makes me like want to vomit for some reason but like that's part of that's a big part of the reason I moved is so I could have both Mm -hmm. you know like if I have a family like I want my family close by Mm -hmm. and that's part of it well and it's also quality of life totally you know I mean New York is awesome I always have fun there but I I would like to afford where I live and absolutely like you said you have a lifestyle that you guys want to explore in terms of growing your own food and like having a goat or whatever (laughs) just like even owning property like you just Mm -hmm. can't have your own house with a backyard there without i mean if your budget is half a million dollars you are still looking outside of the city limits Mm -hmm. you're like out in new jersey Mm -hmm. it's unbelievable so 
I don't know. That's that is a what I am trying to redefine as not a failure mm-hmm. is like, you know, to remember that it's about like you get to choose your path. And like if this is something I choose, that it's good. Right. And it's only positive. It's yeah. only positive. It sounds, it's not like sorry. No, you please go. I was gonna say it sounds like growth to me. I mean, we I feel like we're influenced all the time by our 20-year-old selves that just graduated and has no idea what the world is. And for some reason, we let that person dictate who we are now. When in reality, like, I think most people would hear what you're doing and it'd be like, yeah, that's a great fucking idea. That's amazing. And we just, we like get in on ourselves about these things because we've developed these sort of ideas or we develop this, like fear that everyone's judging us but really the truth is is we're all so fucked up and worried about ourselves that a nobody's really paying attention to that and b what you're doing to most people i think is like really cool and awesome and makes sense yeah doing really want it's really more about self-judgment than anything else there's the best piece of advice i ever got was recently my friend sarah spiegel this was Oh, as soon as she said this, I was like, damn. She said, like, make sure you, oh, what is she, hold on, mourn the loss of your ideals. We have these ideals, and it's like, oh, I'm going to be like this. I'm going to be doing this. And it's like, don't just go like, that's not what I want. It's go like, mourn them. Be sad that you're not doing that thing that you thought you were going to do. But then go, I don't need, I don't, that's not what you wanted. It's just like, but like, take that time to go like, mourn the loss of them and then like you can get over it and it's like so much better and like ever since that I've been like oh my gosh like that's it's so great because I was like it's accepting that it's like it's not what you expected like as an 18 year old kid like moving to New York you were like I'm gonna do this this and this and no one's gonna tell me otherwise and it's like your expectations are complete no what was it more in the loss of your expectations or ideals Sorry, Sarah. <laughs> but it's just I like, like ideals. Yeah, it's so yeah. great though, because I'm like, oh my gosh, like it gives you that time to go. Yeah. It's okay. I'm just being a little bitch about everything. And I'm, yeah. I'm doing I don't, good. Part of me, like leaving New York, felt like I was like leaving a part of my like youth behind almost. Like it was like, that's the place where I was a hot mess I was a hot mess for so long (laughs) I had bed bugs at one point when I was sleeping in the hallway on one you know one of those couches like a drawing couch that sort of like curves downwards I slept on that for seven months with bed bugs like you know that's your that was my like youthful like I'm never gonna die (laughs) you know like you know scrappy, you know, yeah. youthful. This is the life. I'm an artist. <laughs> exactly. And something about, like, leaving my youth behind was really hard. Where it was like, I'm going to go to Atlanta, and I'm going to become a homeowner, and, like, have all these new family responsibilities. Because being a good daughter or granddaughter or sister when you live 900 miles away is very different than when you live in the city. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I had no idea what family burden was really all about. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. My grandma died right before I moved back. So oh, sorry. there's, like, less of that. Uh, no, thanks. It's okay. Um, she was ready. She had been saying that for years, you know. She was one of those, like... 
amazing people who was just really excited to meet her maker. <laughs> um, That's awesome. Mm-hmm, yeah. I only hope for that. I have <laughs> to. She was like miraculous. Uh, I know. Don't take me. I'm not oh ready. God. Someone <laughs> ice me. Uh, do you ever have those moments where you're like doing things around the house or totally normal, having normal a normal day and then you're like I'm going to die soon every time I go on a fucking plane I think it's my like anxious mind that my logic is like the more I get on the plane the more likely you're I am die. to die on it's gonna plane. go down you're gonna die <laughs> oh my I guess god technically that's true yes <laughs> it's like that's what's going through my mind oh my god it's I'm so way weird. more afraid of being shot interesting yeah. way. Well, I mean you know I have we we moved into our house the second week of December and, like, okay. I don't know my neighborhood that well yet. Like, I don't really know my neighbors. One people, one set of people brought us Christmas cookies, but no one else did. So and who knows what their deal is. <laughs> but I feel like, I hate, because I've lived, I've never lived alone because I couldn't afford it. But <laughs> I was single, it felt like I was single all through college because... I was in a long-distance relationship with someone who lived in London, and I never saw him. It was me. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I just didn't have a long history of, like, partners. I didn't have a lot of boyfriends, and um, especially in New York. So, although I had roommates, I was very, like, much on my own. Like, no one was checking to see when I came in at night and stuff like that. So, now, Drew and I moved in together a year before we move down here and so now suddenly I'm feeling this like weird energy like in myself when I'm at home alone like Mm. he went to Colorado for Christmas and I decided to stay here and he was gone for 10 days Mm -hmm. I was in the house alone and we'd only moved in like a week and a half before that so there were still boxes everywhere we hadn't changed the locks yet from the previous owner and stuff and I was so wigged out and I just like my parents live like 20 minutes from me I would have gone that's what I was saying I was like I refuse to go (laughs) over there and let them know that I'm scared I just like I slept terrible it was and I hated that about myself I was like now that I've had this like man in my life to protect me that I know if somebody like breaks in he'll deal with it (laughs) but that's also just like survival mode like we are we are who we are and like as a race of humans because the ones who have survived were the ones who are terrified all the time you know what I mean (laughs) yeah and uh I, I don't know. I listen to so much true crime. So much true crime <laughs> that I'm you literally... Up. I can't... I have a lot of trouble dating white men mm-hmm. my age because most serial killers are like white men in their yes. 20s and 30s. And I can't... Like, it's it's like this weird, like, racism. <laughs> Good. From... Serial killers have this... Okay, all weird people. Everybody, just so you know, you can tell if somebody's a weirdo by their eyes and I don't mean like seeing their soul blinking you can yeah. tell someone's weird by their blinking and a lot of times you can see fucking Ted Bundy will talk and then he'll go 
blink. I think that she just blinked really hard. <laughs> that's super judgmental. What about like people with Tourette's? Who, like, Obviously, blink a lot. I was, gonna, I was thinking that you. Fine. I was thinking that you were gonna go in the direction of like they don't blink. No, you can tell because they have to force themselves to blink. Oh, it's yeah. like this weird oh. force thing where it's like because they're like blink. I don't want them to think I'm not blinking. It's like this a weirdo. weird like little thing like, you can always weird. tell. Like that's different than yours. and like do you guys see the Fry Fire Festival documentary? No, thing? I haven't watched it yet, but I saw your post. Oh my gosh. Actually. Watch him, watch him blink. And it's weird because you can see somebody going, I need, uh, it's when they're nervous, they blink and you're like, oh, I don't, uh, and you can see them like forcing themselves to blink. And I'm like, Strange. you can tell, you can always tell. <laughs> uh, my favorite murder they were talking about, like, <laughs> I love it's, murder. It's such it's a good so show. Good. <laughs> God, they're so funny. Karen's like theory of most love at first sight situations where you see somebody or somebody's looking at you and you just feel like they see your soul she's like you just met a sociopath (laughs) (laughs) she's like that's what that is that's so good so now whenever I interact with somebody or one of my favorite games to play when I go to like events and stuff is like spot the murderer (gasps) where you look around the room and you figure out who's like Killing people. Super easy to tell. <laughs> I think the guy who lives next door to us is a serial killer. Really? It's a weird vibe. He can't control his dog. It's all just weird. He's never home. I hear banging and I'm like, haha, at least it's not me. Because <laughs> they're banging when he's not there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You just get a weird vibe and you're like, no, oh, you're like. Oh. I think it's I think it's smart to steer clear of people you get a weird gut feeling from. Yes. Ugh. Everyone's a murderer. Don't trust anybody. I'm terrified to drive home tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, that's not what this podcast is, <laughs> but I like the direction it's going in because this is like my favorite topic. Do you guys have like embarrassing? Of course. That's all I've been thinking oh, about. Me too. Yeah. Like, all right. Here's the top seven. Uh, oh God. <laughs> like, let's launch into them. All right. I'll start with one. Okay. Here first. Okay. I have two major ones, but I'll start with the one that like to this day makes me feel like physically sick <laughs> so i was auditioning for pole dark which is a tv series really? over oh yes God. which like i didn't know anything about it's like a book that was turned into series i should they not talked about it on my favorite murder it's really <laughs> good <laughs> but i didn't i should not have been seen for it it was like when i signed with a new agent again i was doing really really well and they were like okay just go into it my english accent is like pretty good so and i'm not gonna do it but like it's pretty good <laughs> Just take my word for it. I you tell the story in that accent? And then you'll, <laughs> you'll see why it's a terrible reason why... This is why I was seen for it was because of my English accent. So I'm like really excited. I'm like, I'm going to be seen like the main role, the main girl. And the casting director, really big casting director, doesn't cast in like a studio. She casts in her home. She's a little bit like quirky, Strange. which is awesome. So she's like, come to my home. So you have to go like 40 minutes south of London or whatever... You get to her house, her assistant opens the door up, and you go into, like, her living room. And so you're sitting there. There's a bunch of people there. Oh, and right before I walk in, my agent calls me and goes, don't tell her you're American. Pretend you're English. Oh, my God. And I was like, what? And she's like, just don't, just don't do that. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Fine. So I, like, get in the living room, and I'm like, there's all these other actors there, men, women, and I'm like, do I start now? Like, how do I know? So everyone's, like, talking about these shows. They all know each other, and they all turn to me and go, we don't know you. What's your story? And I went, I desperately don't know. I'm like, for some reason, I couldn't do an English accent, and I was like, I don't know. I'm just 
I need to focus on my my wall right now. So thank you. <laughs> so I put my headphones on. I'm like, God damn it, God damn it, God damn it. So I'm like, all right, all right. Just, just don't say anything until you get into the room. So you get into the room. And the casting director's like in like her studio or like her office or and she's like, I don't know you, Lauren. Like, I'm really interested to know you. Like, I love chatting to people who comes in. Do you want to like talk before or after? And I was like, after, after. So I want to talk after. <laughs> so I do the like the the scenes that I've done and like I you know when you like freaking nail something and you're like, yes, 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 I'm amazing. Like nail it because I practice it, blah, blah, blah. She's <laughs> like, that is amazing. Great. I want to know a bit about you. And I'm like, mm-hmm. she's like, where are you from? And I was like, London. And she was like, me too. What school did you go to? And I was like, I'm from school. And I couldn't do the accent. I was, just, I was like, I was like, I went to an international school where I'm a half in America. And I was just saying all these words. So fine. So like, like whatever my way through it. So I did that. And then I was like, okay, cool. She's like, great. Like looking forward to like sending this to the director. Blah, blah. So then I leave. The story doesn't finish there. I leave. It went so afterwards. I felt so gross. And I was going to the press night of this new (laughs) play. And my friend was like assistant directing on it. So we went to press night. Press night means free booze. So I'm like telling everyone the story who's there, slamming back champagne, blah. I'm freaking hammered before we start. So like I'm literally like sitting in the seats, excited. I'm like talking, talking, talking. I swear to God who is sitting two seats next to me that fucking casting director. And she goes, Lauren? And I was like, hello, so nice to meet you. And my friend goes, Lauren, why are you talking like that? And I was like, because it's, it's Susie. <laughs> it's Susie. And they were like, and she, I literally like saw her face and she was like, and I was like, mm-hmm. And then they said the rest of Shakespeare play, which is like three hours. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh my God. <laughs> Needless to say, I did not get the girl in Paul Dark. Oh my but God. I did. I cannot tell you how like, Please write that into a scene. It was <laughs> so funny. I'll never forget how embarrassing it was right before, just that moment right before, don't tell, don't tell her you're American. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so yes, that is my. Oh my God, that's so funny. It's really embarrassing. I think about that still, like how it haunts me. <laughs> that like haunts me. I should have gone first. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Your story's way better uh, than that. No, you know. Mine are always really sad. They're not funny. So just be just you. Do it. Just go okay. for it. Be, right. be true to yourself. We'll, we'll edit it. Liz's will go first. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. So which failure do I start with? I guess I'll start with. So when, you know, in high school, I was definitely like, you know, went in as an actor and kind of like discovered directing and interviewed for colleges as a director but always like wanted to like keep one foot on the stage because who doesn't love center of attention especially middle children (laughs) like I still wanted to be an actor so freshman year of college like none of us are equity or anything like that so we're all just going to like open calls open calls so I follow a buddy to an open call for this really stupid like very very off 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 Broadway like dinner theater where it's like prom night and everybody shows up for prom and like there are actors scattered around that you interact with and I was like I can be a girl at prom like (laughs) let's go so I went and like of course all the equity people are seen first and I wait around for eight hours (gasps) oh my god eight hours I sit in this room waiting to be seen and it's like you know 
8.30 or something. They're only going till 9. And so they go, okay, everybody that hasn't been seen, like, come into Studio 4 or whatever. And so, like, this big group of people gets up. And some, and they have us all stand in a line. And some guy gets up from behind the table. And he just walks down the line and goes, no, 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 yes. No, 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 yes. No, no, no. And, like, they went down the line. And, of course, they get a no. And um, they go, okay, if you got a no, no, like, sorry, you know, to waste your time, but thank you for coming in. You can go. And so I'm just, like, dumbfounded. I was like, what just happened? And somebody who um, saw me and my friend just looking so, like, bewildered and upset, and they're like, oh, is this your first time being typed? <gasps> And we're like, what is that? And they go on to explain when they run out of time, they just line people up and they s decide who they've seen enough of, of like the, that type. They're like, we've seen enough girls who look like you, <gasps> so we don't need to see you. Thank you. Oh my. And I was like, wow, this is like a really, really superficial business. And like, yeah. who knows if I had done my hair or my makeup or I'd worn something different that yeah. day. Mm -hmm. Like... It may have been a yes. And it that makes my heart hurt. Yeah. It was it was a really crushing sensation as like an 18-year-old like fraught like fresh off the boat, not off the boat, but off an airplane <laughs> in New York and I, that was the last audition I went to. Yeah. And I just decided I'm just going to direct. It just felt like to it felt like to be an actor at least in New York and the environment I was in, it was like a full-time job mm -hmm. and you really had to care about what you looked like and how other people perceived you. And I just like have never been that person. And I just decided it like wasn't in me. And that day I just like let one of my like childhood ideals sort of die. I was like, I don't want this to be the only thing that I have. And I feel like here it's, Acting is a full-time job. Everything else you do is to, like... Facilitate. Yeah, to facilitate you, push you forward into making that career happen. And if you aren't making it your full-time job, it just will not happen for you. And I wasn't willing to do that. I was like, that was awful. And I never want to do that again. Mm -hmm. I just never auditioned ever again. Oh, my Ew. God. It was, it was gross. Ew. I went to a similar one. The one and only model call I went to... They lined us up, and they were like, yes, yes, no, no, no. <laughs> and it was like, um, say there's somebody here, you're me, Lauren and Liz, like you're the next person. It was like, no, 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 yes, yeah. Like they didn't even acknowledge my existence. Oh, my God. And I left, and I was like, never again. Never again. Can yeah, I can do that. I mean... We go through a lot, like performers go through a lot, but models, holy shit, I don't think that I could ever do that. I mean, I didn't think that it got worse than what we do, but it gets way worse. Yeah. Ew. And it's always by some gross person saying like, no, no, no. I know. I and you're like, like, you're like, I'm like, no to you. I know. I don't want to do this anyway. No, 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 no. Yes, 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 point to me. And then you go to the bar and have a drink and you're like, I feel better. Thank you. Um, I wonder why we're alcoholics. But you know what? I like I like that experience for you because if directing is like your calling, 
then you're putting yourself in a position where like you have the opportunity to do that people to people, but you won't. Totally. You know oh, you're I mean? totally gonna do it to people. <laughs> you're like, it's my time. <laughs> I can you. say no. I've got the pointing finger. <laughs> I saw the power he wielded, and it's mine now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Totally. That's so shitty. I didn't well, know that. That's Just so sad. So like, yeah, you know, it is. It is empowering to be on the other side where I got really involved with a company called Brunch Theater in New York and like very young theater company, like definitely figuring their shit out. But um, I got pulled in. I directed for them a few times, but they do like a series of short plays Mm -hmm. and I was always like really bossy about everything because there was always like six or seven directors in tech week trying to, like, deal their own shit, you know, and, um, I got really bossy, so they eventually pulled me on as, uh, like, more of an, I forgot what my title was, but anyway, like, an overarching director of the whole piece to make it feel more fluid, and it was really powerful to sit on the other side and be a part of the conversation of, like, what are we going to make theater about? Mm. It was the first time I had the opportunity to, like, come up with the themes we're going to be talking about, like writing prompts. We're Mm -hmm. all about producing millennial playwrights work, like new and developing work of young playwrights. And so I think that experience definitely shaped that where, you know, we were all about giving voices to people who don't normally get to have a voice. So I guess I never really thought about it that way, but it totally came up more full circle than I guess I realized wow what a I'm just reflecting about myself (laughs) learning so much that's what this is for I love I told my mom today because like since my job ended I've been working at my dad's office just to like Mm -hmm. make some money and like figure my shit out I do that too and today I was like oh I'm actually not going home I'm like mom do you remember like Ellen from high school I was like oh she invited me to come over and interview on her podcast she's like oh what's the podcast about and I was like oh failure she was like oh I was like that didn't come out right but (laughs) But I'm excited I I think I think this started to happen because I started teaching I realized like kids had such a an unhealthy view on like success and what success is especially in our business totally and I realized like the thing that makes me feel good about our business or any kind of arts is being able to commiserate with other people about all the shitty aspects of it. Also, so, crisis. There's a go ahead. There's a ghost. What? There's a what? There's a what? Is there a what? There's, there's a, a crack on my tooth that just. Oh, it's like it was a crisis. What did you do to the toilet? <laughs> <laughs> crisis. Don't go in that toilet. Um. Oh my god, I know. Um, I have a freaking crack on my tooth. Really? Does it hurt? Look at this. <laughs> I don't see. There's a crack. Look at that little, little Like, dot. you got a little, like, dot? Chip. See that dot? I got a chip on my tooth. Is it a chip or is it just, like, a discolored... What is it? It wasn't there this morning. Oh, that's weird. It's probably wine, bro. It's probably wine. Uh-uh. It is. It's wine. No, just brush your teeth. It's wine, babe. I'm sure I have an extra toothbrush. If I want to just. Oh my god, you vain bitch! Sit down, <laughs> drink some water. It will go away. I have a weird thing. You want to talk about failures? Like a weird thing against my voice. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to see or listen to yourself. It's really hard. Oh, I love it. Before <laughs> I before I auditioned for GHP, 
brought me into his office and said, I, I think if you really want a shot at getting into GHP, you need to go see a voice specialist. He's like, there's something wrong. Oh my God. He told me there was something wrong with my voice. Well, that's why you have a problem with your voice because somebody, when you were a child was like, he told me there was something wrong. He's like, you'll never get into GHP with that voice. So I went and I told my mom. I was like, mom, it's really thinks I need to go see a voice specialist that I'm not like speaking properly. I may have like nodules, all kinds of things. And my mom was like, fuck that guy. <laughs> Good. Yes, I, I never went and saw anyone and I still auditioned for GHP. And you got and I it. fucking got in. And so, but ever since then, like, I cannot listen to recordings of myself. Okay, so this is a big thing. And, like, we worked a lot, like, in classical theater training program about, we did a lot of voice work. And so a huge thing was how much the voice reflects, like, personal trauma. Our vocal hang-ups or other hang-ups are because, like, somewhere, some, at some point in our childhood, somebody was like, no, you shouldn't do this. And either totally. either it was a friend, and it was like a passing yeah. comment that meant like they thought nothing of it, or they were teasing you, or like playing with you, or it was like an elder, and like that's really fucked up of him to have said that. Honestly, maybe in his heart he was like, "I'm helping," but I want to believe that. Yeah. Don't worry, I bleep out names with like cat meows. Cool. <laughs> so, yeah. I hadn't thought about that after I said it. Yeah, no, whatever. No, whatever. I don't give a fuck about you. <laughs> <laughs> Cat sound. Can I tell you about the worst tattoo I've ever seen? Oh, yes. Was it? yes. What is it? So I went to Florida. Yes. <laughs> yeah, of course. My and mom was in Florida. I was on acid. I don't know if you want to leave that part out, but I was tripping my balls off. <laughs> and at this like weird house party where I only knew one person, I have no idea how I ended up there. Anyway, I meet this girl and she's got this giant tattoo on her chest. And it is the Last Supper, but <laughs> instead of people, they are cats. Stop. It is, I mean, giant all over her chest. The, la- the Last it? Supper in cats. Stop. And I was like, I'm so sorry, but I have to ask you, like, what's what? going on with this giant? I can't talk to you and not look at it. Like, I just, there's no way I was going to be able to con- continue to talk to this girl without knowing what was happening and she was like oh each one represents a cat that i've had in my life so after she had cats live a long time 13 cats die oh my god she got a giant chest tattoo of all of her cats as jesus and the last disciples (laughs) and the 12 disciples and i couldn't understand and now that you're telling me about this parasite that makes a lot more sense but it she was insane i was like only <laughs> only on acid i have to go like, oh my god oh my god. god they're like moving while she's talking to Why you were you in florida on acid i was visiting my aunt oh, okay. <laughs> one of my friends from from brooklyn had moved to Florida, oh, pretty close okay. to my aunt. I was visiting my aunt. She was like, hey, let's hang out. And you're like, yeah. And so she picks me up, and we're just going to hang out for the night. She goes, so, do you want to go to this house party? I was like, sure. And we get there, and, like, everybody's on acid. And there's, like, a like, hundred tabs of acid on the table. And I'm like, do you want some? 
I was like, I never oh, say no to acid. Fuck it. <laughs> I've never had acid. I still. I have Are you kidding either. me? I know, and I really Are wanted to. Are you kidding me? No, I, I wouldn't either. say this on a podcast. You guys want to do like, acid together? Yeah. Right? I have so, I have a hundred on this table. <laughs> Let's go. Really? <laughs> I'm, I'm like. Oh, I have some in my freezer, but really? you're kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, really? Where is it? I've never right, put it back bathroom? in there. It's I also love the, the tiny cabinet you have in there. Oh, yeah. It's a good little cabinet. The baby cab. I was like, this is my favorite thing. This is how you know you're an adult when you buy a baby cabinet. I mean, I didn't buy that. My parents bought that. But this is good to know. Which that, like, makes me feel less like an adult. No. No, not at all. Like, I remember, like, moving back to Atlanta, I had just moved back after quitting from the Edinburgh Fringe. All these big things. I literally was like, I'm done. I was like, I'm so over it. And I was living in my childhood bedroom, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. working for my stepbrother-in-law's barbecue restaurant. Mm -hmm. And I was just literally like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah, what am I doing? Just like, it's that moment of just like, oh my God, like those steps backwards, but like, it's not, it's like a hundred percent not. It's like, you need this time to go, okay, this is who I am. And like, besides all the wonderful stuff, like the stuff that I did wherever I was, was just building blocks. Mm-hmm. And you have to do what you're going to do, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm living here to save money and pay off debt mm-hmm. that I accumulated. Yeah. And, like, that's been helpful. And honestly, like, it, it feels... When you're in the moment, it's like, oh, my God, I'm never going to get out of this. Yeah. Oh, my God, this is such a huge thing. And then I know five years from now, I'm going to be like, wow, that was such a tiny blip in my life mm-hmm. that I, like, needed to do this thing. Yeah. I, I just, I didn't, I didn't know that you moved back because you were like, eh. Oh, so over like everything got so messy or yeah. whatever. And so then, done with it. And then you came back and I had zero knowledge of why you came back. <laughs> you know, like literally what you've told me tonight has been like, oh shit, okay, great. Lauren sent me a, a necklace. Aww. It was so funny. It had no note. It said nothing. <laughs> I opened this like random package up at work. And it was a necklace of this, it was the shape of the state of Georgia. And I was like, I have no <laughs> idea. I have no idea where this came from. And this was probably years? three years mm-hmm. ago before I moved back. And then finally I get you a message from Laura and then I was like, did you get my present? I was like, was it this weird unmarked thing? Then yes. <laughs> I was like, I'm moving back to Georgia. You should come. And I was like, you're a stalker. <laughs> like, I don't think you want to work in the rest. I get that though. I think I asked your brother. I did ask your brother. I wore it every day until it broke. <laughs> I wore it every day. Do you have another failure story? I do. Okay, go. Okay, this one's Okay, this one's You're really funny, so you should tell more failure stories. (laughs) Okay, this is another one. Um, And the reason I knew this one was because I was talking to Todd about this, and I was like, what are some failure stories? And they all came fucking flooding back. So, I once auditioned for a remake of a horror film for 21st Century Fox. Mm -hmm. Great company. And I was like, "Mm, yes, I will definitely do that. Now, the role wasn't a big one. Because it's like, you know, a big company. But it was for the opening credits to be like the main girl in the opening credits. Whatever. So like immediately dies or something? Yes. Which I'm like, whatever. Cool. Literally give a fuck. So the girl, of course, is not American. She's French. Oh, shit. Fine. (laughs) Whatever. Because it's like, you know, like you're mostly just like saying a few words in French. I can speak like a bit Ah. of French. 
croissant. Funny you said that one because <laughs> I was like, I can speak like a tiny bit, like un petit peu bit of French, like just like a tiny bit of French, whatever. So I'm like, whatever, they'll just make me do this bit of French. The casting director must have been just like the devil themselves. So then I get in there in the audition, like, fine. It's like you learn to say like two words, like I can't, I can't even tell you. And then like the vampire comes, gets you, you die. Well, it's opening credits for the film. So I'm like, whatever, like no big deal. So I do it, and the casting director, I like swear to God, is like devil reincarnated because they made me do this. This is on tape in someone's fucking room. Like, this has to be. So, like, she's like, okay, so, like, yeah, so you did that. Why don't you just, like, do it again? And I'm like, okay, so I, like, say that line in French again, and then, like, I get murdered, and there's no one else in the room, which is, like, me getting murdered by, like, a fake, like, vampire, blah, blah, blah. Fine. And then she's like, you know what? Why don't we just, like, get you to say more stuff in French? Like, why don't you just, why don't you just, like, go for it? And I was like, uh-huh. Because I speak, like, a tiny bit of French. She's like, can you do that? And I was like, yeah. And I speak, like, like, I can, I, I like, passed for, like, a week spending in France. And I was like, I'm, like, fluent. So she basically is like, why don't you just try speaking a bunch of French? And, like, wow, well, we'll just figure it out. And I was like, yes. But half of me was like, fuck you. So I was like, okay. So I like pick up this chair and I'm like supposed to be like getting the gas out of my car or like getting the gas and like doing all the gas things. I'm putting the thing in the gas and like checking myself out and putting the pump in the gas container. And then she's like, just start speaking. And the only thing I could fucking remember was croissant. And I was like, baguette. And I was like, croissant, baguette. And then she's like, there's a vampire coming. It's on the ceiling. And I'm like, oh, there's a croissant, baguette. Oh, and she's like, pick up your chair. And I'm like, oh, there's a croissant, baguette. And she's like, screaming over, croissant, baguette. And then she makes me throw the chair, scream. And I like finish. And she's like, great. And I like stare at her. And she like stares at me. I fucking saw that woman smile and I was like, I hate you. I hate you so, so I know for a fact that in a 21st century, the reason I remember the like companies is I remember 21st Century Fox has a tape of me saying croissant and baguette over and over. You didn't even go to like the Moulin Rouge. Like, I know. <laughs> no. I like, All I could think of was baguette. I would have been like, je voudrais un mintador no. or whatever the fuck no. we learned. No, just croissant and baguette. You know what? That's you'll get it. famous in that video will come out and it'll surface. go viral and you'll become even more famous no. in a good way because people I'm, will be like I love her that she infamous. did that is the word infamous. Yeah. infamous is the correct answer thank you guys so much oh thank my you. god this was doing great it. thank no. you for having us <laughs> oh my god I had such a good time of oh, talking about everything <laughs> it was so nice to girl be- chat but like yeah. not even girl chat just well, like also just to be here and do this yeah and like three people again who like left and like came back and want to make like positive change in Atlanta and like Georgia yeah. I do Ooh, feel fantastic. a lot better yeah, yeah me too good I'm glad <laughs> and um so <laughs> we're just talking and then Matt beautiful Matt will edit this hey Matt, Thanks, Matt. <laughs> we love you oh. are not in Antarctica he's in Minneapolis Antarctica rejected Thank you, Matt Eckholm, for editing episode five for me. Also, thank you to Ryan V, David N, Anna N, and Evan B for listening and uh, giving me your support. I appreciate it. You guys can follow The Rejected Podcast on Instagram at The Rejected Pod.